<laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. And I'm Vince. And this is The Lighthouse Lowdown. I forgot the button. We've made it more complicated for ourselves having to physically press the button when originally I would just drop the audio right. in. But I think it's more fun, easier yeah. for me later. Yep, and we can sing during it now. Yeah, now you can now you, instead of getting on. a peaceful uh moment from us talking, instead you get maybe we should just remove it entirely and just have us sing the whole thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. Okay. So our history buoy today, I'm excited about. Uh, it's going to be types of Fresnel lenses. Very good. Which we discussed me doing in one of the earlier podcasts, one of the most recent ones. And it's very visual. So if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see what I'm talking about, because lenses are super cool and I think they're really pretty and they're all very different, which is what I'm going to be covering today, then head over and watch the video because that'll be... You can just go over, watch the video as I'm talking about the history buoy, and then come back to listening to the podcast. So but YouTube has a video, the Lighthouse Lowdown YouTube channel. Yeah. And then, uh, not the video, but the images are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you can watch the video. You don't have to go to YouTube. You can just go to our website, the Lighthouse. Whoa. Oh, that's right. The Lighthouse Lowdown.com. So, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that's. I'm going to be doing that today, and uh, I think it, you'd benefit greatly from seeing the pictures, because Vince will be sitting here, seeing them all up on the screen. So, Right. Obviously, the point of a Fresnel lens is to focus as much of a light source as possible in a direction. That can be, if it's a fixed light, it's all directions, or a singular direction, which is how you get the beam of a lighthouse tower. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. It's focused, and that's what the point of a Fresnel lens is. And actually a lens, now that they're, you know, originally we had, you know, uh, reflectors and just like s- like mirrored surfaces that kind of did that same job. And it was like 40% of the light source was captured and redirected. But with a Fresnel lens, n- up to 98% of a light is captured by the prisms and redirected. So that's why it's so powerful. Yeah, I'll show you. So this is basically just a cross-section of a Fresnel lens so you can see what the prisms looks like. The prisms closest to the bullseye or the middle section, uh, it, it varies, and I'll show you a picture in a second. But the middle part doesn't have to redirect the light as much because it's right in front of where the light is coming from. Yeah. And so they're shaped differently than the prisms that are further up or down from the light source in uh, the Fresnel lens. Because the Fresnel lens just goes on top of the light source. It's like you just put it over the top of a bulb like or, a or at, yeah. you know, early on it was just um, candles or oil lamps or something like that. And so the prisms on the top and bottom basically have to work harder to redirect light into the direction that you want it to go in the middle ones. So they're shaped differently. So closer to the very middle of the Fresnel lens, they're called dioptric prisms and further up are catadioptric. Basically just the ones further up or down have to bend the light at a steeper angle than ones that are closer to the middle of the lens, which is why they're shaped different. Yeah. So they're different shape, which is essentially angling the light out in a linear fashion straight out from the the Fresnel lens. Mm -hmm. And then there are also different sizes. So it looks like the ones that are dioptric, so they're further away from the light source, are larger, at least in this uh, in this diagram. Uh, yeah, I think they usually are. It's kind of like dioptric is half of what a catadioptric prism is. And the picture that I'm showing is simplified. But if sure. you have like, I'm about to talk about it in a second, but there are different sizes of Fresnel lenses, which we talk about all the time, yeah. first order, fourth order, eighth order. Um, and that just sh- means how many prisms there are, and it's obviously smaller in size. So if you have an eighth order, you'll have like four prisms total around the sides. Yeah. And if you have first order, it's, I don't know, 100 or something. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, yeah. It's basically that the, the, the light on the inside could be the same, but 
because the Fresnel lens is so much bigger with so many prisms, it's capturing every little scrap of light that is coming out from that um, light source and redirecting it. This is cool. So this, uh, I'm showing a chart from the USLHS uh, page, which tells you what sizes there are and how many there were in the U.S., what the cost is, what their size is. So it kind of just breaks it all down. I'm not going to talk about all of this, but basically you're the largest wow. Fresnel lens you have is hyperradial, and it goes all the way down to eighth order, which is just a couple inches in height and diameter, and then the hyperradial is 12, over 12 feet tall. That's I'll crazy. Have a, I'll have a picture of that too, but the I'm looking at the cost over here. Yeah. Okay. Those are in nineteen hundred dollars. So My like, God. so nowadays a hyper radial lens in nineteen hundred was twenty seven thousand dollars, and yeah. today that amounts to nearly a million dollars. That is nuts. I know. So, I gotta pick. A, I like charts. Oh. There's also <laughs> I like charts. I like charts. Number of them of each size in the U.S. And then there's a 1900 and 1922 and a 1945. Mm-hmm. There's one shown for that hyper radial. Is that the same one? We yes. can talk about it. All right. You, I'll tell you about I don't it. I need to cut you off. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing on this chart, a couple of these sizes have a little asterisk next to it. And that just means that this size of lens, it, it was um, developed after. Fresnel originally designed the lens. So it was like okay. somebody else developed the size. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that would be hyperradial and mesoradial. I be, there's none in the US and there's only been two ever built, so I didn't look too deep into that, but maybe I'll, one of these days I'll try and find one of the lighthouses that had a lens like that because it's just a different size, I think. It's not probably not anything outrageous. But there's also three and a half order, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And it must have just been because third order is twice the size of a fourth order yeah. in radius. And so they were probably like, why don't we have something that's in between this and made it a three and a half order? And that's actually going to show up in our podcast today. Okay. Seventh order and eighth order were not in the U.S. Uh, I guess you can see it on the screen. They never, uh, that was a lot more of a Europe thing to have. Um, I didn't realize that. Smaller lenses like that. Do you know why? It's mostly... Uh, I think it's just because we defaulted often to a, a fourth order lens. When we would build a lighthouse, it wouldn't be on a river or anything. I don't know if we have any lighthouses on a river, but in Europe they did. Yeah, you know, more inlets just, and yeah, uh, just a lot more uh, little smaller, islands and stuff. So smaller range. Yeah, and buoys a lot had eighth order lenses on them, so just That's little cool. lights. I will start now with Boom. talking about. Flash patterns, um, you know, light characteristics. We've done a podcast, uh, what is it, History Boy? (laughs) Yeah, on light characteristics. We have, yeah. So we've covered it before. But the light characteristic depends on what your Fresnel lens looks like. And so every time you have, like, group occulting or you have a flashing light or you have a fixed light, it's because the Fresnel lens looks different, and that's why you have a different flash pattern. Yeah. Today, not so much because, you know. Now they're electric focused. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. But originally it was because of the Fresnel lenses. So I have pictures up if anyone wants to go. TheLighthouseLowdown.com. I'll have a video. You can go ahead and see what the lens look like. But a lot of these pictures came from the USLHS as well. They did a whole section on this. So first one that I have up is a fixed lens. And so this is basically a Fresnel lens that is not moving and so you don't have a focused singular beam it's basically the light protrudes out from every direction of the fresnel lens so you can't have a bullseye you have to have light available from all angle if you're you know sailing around the lighthouse it should never be a flash there should never be any discontinuation of the light that you're seeing so the fixed lens has like this donut around the middle instead mm. of being broken up into bullseyes. It's just a, a bubble. It's like like a what is it called when you are swimming and you have a tube? <laughs> uh <Is it> just <laughs> I don't I can't think of it at the moment. It's a donut tube. <laughs> like the like tire tubes that people yeah, used to Yeah, you know, that you swim in. You go on the lazy river. Exactly. Sit in that thing. That's what it reminds me of. But it's just like slightly convex convex? <laughs> Concave convex, yes. Okay. 
I think. <laughs> <laughs> From every side of that, you have uh, the prisms that we were talking about. The uh, It's fun because in these pictures you can see the shape of them is that dioptric is just up. Yeah, think of the triangle that's straight on one side and then it has two. The right triangle. Isometric? Oh, <laughs> man, we're really challenging ourselves know. this afternoon. I, I could just move on and not say anything. <laughs> well, I wanted to say it's it's interesting. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but no. We talked about the diagram earlier. It was a cross-section cut of mm-hmm. uh, a Fresnel lens yeah. like this. And I never realized that what the attempt is, so you have your light source in the center. Yeah. And the attempt is to redirect all of the light from the light source straight out horizontally from all points yeah. on the piece of glass that is the Fresnel lens. Mm-hmm. I always thought of it as focusing the light to the center point of the Fresnel lens oh, and yeah. then out, like mm-hmm. a well, as close as you get to a laser beam, to a direct beam. But really, so the actual beam height is several feet tall. What yeah, is this, like 12 feet exactly. tall? Rather than you know, focus to be as small as it can be. It's yeah. all of the light on a stack of of light, if that makes any sense. A column is going out mm-hmm. rather than a point. And uh, uh, just something else I was going to say is that this first picture, I believe, is a third-order lens, and this second wow. picture is a first-order. So you can just see the difference in the amount of prisms. Yeah. They're all the same size. It's just that, you know, that one's so much bigger with so much, many more that they look small. I can't believe the work that must be involved in getting these I know. polished. Gosh, I know. It's not, it's not sometimes, it's often. Next one that I'm showing Whoa. is a flashing lens. So you have your bullseyes and all of them are curved. And obviously this is going to be like a lot more expensive of a process to make than just the straight ones. Yeah. But yeah, this is just a flashing lens. So each time the, so this, um, Fresnel lens, this is also first order, as you can tell by the sheer size of it. It rotates, and uh, it could be on clockwork mechanism, or they used beds of mercury or whatever, which has been showing up a lot in the lighthouses that I've been looking at, the beds of mercury. It's not... I remember we were talking to somebody who said that it wasn't common, and I was like, I don't don't know, I've just been hearing a lot. Yeah. I've I've seen those pop up a lot, so... I think we were talking specifically about... Maybe I'll learn some more things, but uh, Fred Stonehouse, isn't it? The yeah. Author's name. Uh, he, we had him on the podcast. We were talking about um, Standard Rock on Lake Superior. I think we were talking mostly about Lake Superior lighthouses. Mm. I think he's, his comment was suggesting that there are not mercury beds used on those lighthouses. Yeah. And that- maybe... I don't know. Maybe that's local or maybe there's hit or miss. Depends that on that which would make one. sense just because they're smaller lenses. It's like f- usually fourth order on lakes and stuff. Yeah. And so maybe. Clockwork would be fine. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to work quite so hard in order to make it rotate where the mercury bed was basically so that it, it could smoothly rotate without putting so much pressure on, you know, or having a huge clockwork. Yeah. Um, Lots of grease. And, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, it's basically, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm pointing at the screen now, too, without saying anything. There's on the wall in this image we're looking at, there's a focused light. I don't know if it's just coming through or. I'm like, thinking, you know, yeah, sunlight. there's probably a light on the inside that's showing. But it's showing up as a big bullseye on the wall. Yeah, but, and then you know, stretched out. Many feet tall. So cool. Cool. Yeah, so basically this rotates and the flashes that you see from the Fresnel lens are the light focusing through this bullseye. Mm. So in between them, you would still see the light, but it's focused whenever you hit that bullseye lens. So you'd be able to see that there's, it's not like the flashing lens like this. You, you, it's not like you would see no light at all at the top of the lighthouse. Right. And then all of a sudden there's this brilliant flash of light. It's like there's light up there and then a focused focus. beam. And the focus beams come out perpendicular from the face of each of these flat faces yeah yeah so what's the material in between that joins them you told me this brass. a long time ago brass, brass. Mm-hmm. so brass joins the panels of glass together right because i'm not sure i don't know why either there's got to be some reason i know brass is expensive maybe there's some property we haven't it's got to be yeah because i'm thinking Fresnel lenses have got to get really hot don't they or maybe i'm sure it does I feel like, but then... Any focus light is really hot. Yeah. But I also read that light doesn't lose energy moving through a prism. So would it get hot? 
Technically, I don't think so. But if there's if there are any media, well, they, we talked about lighthouse keepers have cleaned. Yeah, there's no way like that religiously cleaned it. Probably, if there's any media that would that would hinder it, it would make it darker, but it also pick up heat. Yeah, but then they would also probably clean it during the day when it's not on. Yeah, because a lot of Fresnel lenses, you have to open them to get to the light. There's like a panel that opens, right. or like uh, I'm about to show a clamshell or bivalve, and those oh. just open just two sides like a like a book. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, so. This is a bivalve or oh. a clamshell lens. So if we ever talk about bivalve or clamshell, they're the same thing. Um, it basically is just two very large bullseyes across from each other, and the light goes in the middle. So you'd have two flashes when it does when it finishes an entire rotation, and that's it. So this first picture is from the lighthouse that we're talking about today. It's absolutely gorgeous. That's a three and a half order. An awesome picture, and that was in 1989. So it's kind fantastic, of very, very good photo. But yeah, so that just opens. Those are beautiful from the side. It's like there's a hinge on one side, and you just like crack it open like a book to get to the yeah. If you well, more often like there, a long time ago when there was flame on the inside, you'd have to open it often to light it or clean it or mm-hmm. refill the oil or something like that. So these were very easy to get access to, but. It would require a lot of weight on this hinge, and so, you know. The hardware has got to be really impressive. Yeah, exactly. Because it can't, imagine it fails in your very expensive, very important, Yeah, and then your light's large. down for yeah. a long time. That's uh, a no-go. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Under pressure. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and both of them have this bar down the middle of the bullseye. Yeah. Is that a structural It's got to be, uh, yeah, like a, just because there's so much weight. Yeah. You don't have s- multiple supports like the other lenses. These is just like, uh, I feel like a lot of pressure would be on this bullseye lens, and eventually they had to add a little support in there. Technically, the very best shape of any structure to distribute stress is a circle. Oh. Or, well, technically a sphere, but a circle is a really good way, a band, if you will, to mm-hmm. distribute stress when designing something. So that would allow them to... I think they knew that at this time. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> Next one I'm showing is group flashing, which is a light characteristic. Um, I've also called this one double bullseye. Rock of ages. Yeah, I don't know what that is. We'll find out. Start point England. Oh, yeah, a lot of these are not from within the U.S. as well. So I have some examples that are not. Especially because one of these lenses that I'm going to talk about, I don't think we have any in the U.S. Mm. And so all the examples from Ireland. Nice. But anyway, group flashing just means that you see more than one flash uh, before there's the eclipse. So you'll see two fast flashes and then a moment where there's no yeah. flashing. So while the lens is rotating, probably yeah, it's yeah. exactly what it sounds like. Group flashing. You see more. There's a group of flashes and then a period of darkness. So the way that this affects the Fresnel lens is that you can't have the lens separated evenly. I'm evenly by bullseyes you have to have them smashed together which is how you end up with Mm. a double bullseye basically like a nucleus like of you know two two bullseyes two little eyes smacked together looks like an owl's face yeah (laughs) (laughs) like a fish so this one on the left would be two equivalent flashes it looks Mm -hmm. like and on the right i'm looking at a half half circle and then a full circle so maybe a if it were rotating a very fast flash and then a longer flash? Like I don't know that it'd be faster. It would be less bright, I would guess. Like I don't know. Half full, half Maybe full. if I can find a video of it. This is yeah, and we're looking at start point England. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I've never we've looked at Fresnel lenses many times mm-hmm. for this podcast and I've never really paid this much attention. It's yeah. It's very cool. And plus this this one's neat because it's not it's in a very irregular shape of lens. Yeah. There's no it's not um, symmetrical or anything. It's very I guess actually the double the first picture is symmetrical, but it's goofy. Yeah. Also, group flashing is um, the lens that was in Point Arena Lighthouse, which is the last one that I covered. Mm-hmm. This is Whoa. the one that I was talking about that's in Ireland. Uh, two very cool examples. One of them very old, a first order biform lens, which. Sounds like what we talked about for Sweden, biform. 
Oh, yeah. But I'm not sure exactly how that would have worked because one of them was fixed and one of them was rotating. So it must not have been like this. It probably just, in translation, probably still yeah. meant two lights. But anyway, biform is two Fresnel lenses stacked on top of each other and then usually rotating. And so what? what's the purpose? You'd have two flash. It's, it's just one flash you would see, but it's twice as intense or... It is it's, two colors at once. It's or? interesting because I'm I'm not totally sure if it's to make more light or if it's like if you have a tall ship and a little ship, maybe it'd be easier to see for both. I'm not, I'm not really well, sure because it's not like you'd see two beams. Well, a light know. comes from a point, right? So from any lighthouse, it comes from the point, which is the, the lighthouse is the source. Uh-huh. So if you wanted it to be uh, brighter. This might be one of the options because mm-hmm. you can't put lights next to each other. They would contradict in one plane or the other. One would block the other. Mm-hmm. You know, True. Revolving. Yeah. So if there were one on top of the other, they would never be blocked. Right. In a lot, they'd both be visible. Mm-hmm. But I think you would actually have two light sources. I, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. And one bulb or one flame would. And anytime they have yeah. stacked lenses like this, there's a floor in between them for people to stand on so you can access the top and the bottom lens. Anyways, this is really neat. Yeah, and the second one... Are these both the same lens? uh, No, these are different. This was, uh, I think... Ireland? Really early on. The second one is a current lens. They're both clamshell lenses, which I thought was cool. Oh, cool. A biform clamshell lens. I feel like people are just getting fancy at this point. I know. They're like, what can we do that's different? I'm going to put three of them on top of one another. (laughs) We're going to make the whole tower out of Fresnel lenses. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sad we don't have any of these in the U.S. Maybe we do, and I just haven't been able to find any. But so far, it's only been in Ireland that I've seen some. I followed Mm -hmm. one on Instagram. Uh, It's called Old Head Lighthouse in Kinsale. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I followed them on Instagram. They have some cool videos of the lens rotating. It's really neat. And our last example is the group occulting lens. This one was on the USLHS and doesn't have uh, a location Mm. on it, so I'm not sure where it was from. But I thought this was really cool because it's, I can't tell if this panel that's in between the two lights is see-through or if it's brass. It looks like brass to me. Yeah, I think think you're right. It's like a surprised owl. Yeah, he's like, whoa. But yeah, the, basically what we're looking at is there's a bullseye that's interrupted by, it, it's basically like they took out a panel of mm. the Fresnel lens and put in some brass. So you would actually not see any light from this angle whenever the panel moved by. And that's another thing I saw with flashing lights is that occasionally they would have a fixed Fresnel lens and then would have a rotating like mechanism around the outside of metal plates and so it would as it rotated you'd see these moments of darkness where there was a metal plate uh, crossing over your line of vision and so they would simulate having a flashing for lens by having this rotating which i think would be a lot cheaper so yeah well it'd be a lot easier to have a smaller item rotate than yeah larger definitely well and also like um way back in the day before for lenses i can't remember the name of it but there was a reflective plate that would go behind a candle or whatever yeah. the light source was, a lamp, and the the plate would be what moved in the same mm-hmm. the same fashion. Yeah, much uh, dimmer than our mm-hmm. current Fresnel lenses, but same concept. That's cool. Yeah, and occulting. Uh, we've covered this, but occulting just means that there are f- moments of darkness. Like you know, a flashing lens is usually like yeah. it's dark, and then there's a bright flash of light, and then it goes dark again. But this one's like it's mostly lit. And then small moments of darkness and then lit again. And it's different than if you were looked at, well, if you looked at a nearby light lighthouse and you could see a constant light and then a flash. The flash is obviously the concentrated Fresnel yeah. panel, mm-hmm. but the constant light is meaning that it's not technically occulting because it's not blocked yeah, by something. exactly. Okay. Yeah, and that's all of it. Um, I'm, I have one more picture. This is where I'm going to complain. Did I... So you remember the other day when I told you that the worst thing in the world just happened to me and I was going to tell you about it later? Yeah, but you couldn't tell me at the time. Yeah. This is what it is. Guess where this light is? Somewhere where you already have been? Yes. Japan. I, in Hawaii, Oh. my mom said 
Oh, you get to pick. I'm not going to say her name. Oh, <laughs> mom. <laughs> you get to pick any lighthouse, just one that the whole family will go to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we'll just go to Barber's Point. It's It was the closest to us. You didn't have to hike to get there. This one had like a total of two hours of hiking, which would have been fine. And the drive was maybe an hour away from our Airbnb. So, you know, all altogether, I would have been inconveniencing my family more by deciding to go to this lighthouse. But th- what you're looking at is the only hyperradial lens <laughs> that is in the U.S. In Hawaii. And I was, I was a singular self-made decision away from seeing it because it's still there. It's still the functioning hyperradiant lens and i just missed out mm. i just i just missed out i decided to not go i have to go back to hawaii <laughs> it's so awful i was just so close and so for those watching the video i have pictures up of uh the little lighthouse it's on the edge of a cliff which is why it's so short and cute and stout and the next picture is a little bit of a close-up of the lens um in the lighthouse and then the one after that is an older picture of before it was put in and there's a man standing next to it this lens is 12 feet tall 12 tons in weight that's pretty damn big (sighs) honestly most explicit lighthouse podcast on the internet i i won't get over this for a long time that i was a a decision of my own away from seeing the only hyperradiant lens in the U.S., and I said no. <laughs> this is 12 tons in weight? Yeah. 24,000 pounds. 24,000 pounds. I don't I know how cry. tall that guy is, but it's probably 12 feet across in 12, diameter. 12 feet tall. So he's probably a little short. Yeah, but he's not it's quite all, six it's foot. Including the, like, With his bowler hat. Including the top. I, I feel like it's about three that times his height. That is insane. So why? Why is this a hyperradial? Hawaii sure. just wanted to flex on like, the rest of the U.S.? <laughs> They're like, you know what? I think uh, I'll cover this lighthouse, I think. Okay. Because it's very cool that this lens is still in use, and you have to hike to get there. This is not like you drive up to it. You have to hike, and so someone has to hike out here. God, it looks so and cool. Clean. I know. It looks like a glowing egg of What's possibilities. What's the light source? Is that a, um, <laughs> is that a modern beacon? It yeah, looks, it looks like a flame, but I know it's it's got to be like an LED it's got a very or something. Warm color. Oh wow. man, that's incredible! I'm yep, so you missed so out. Sight. You screwed that one up. I, <laughs> <laughs> Although, if I had been more educated on the subject, I absolutely would have been like, "We're driving, we're hiking, and this area where this the the cliff that this mm-hmm. lighthouse is on is beautiful. People do the hike not for the lighthouse to see the Fools. view." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if only they knew, then they would do it. For so them. for those who are traveling soon to Hawaii, which island is this? Oahu. Oahu has this one. We're going to cover it soon at some point. Oh, man. Yeah. Live. Beautiful. Please live better. Make better choices than I Although did. Point Barber is pretty cool. That's the one you saw. Is that right? Yeah. It doesn't have a lantern room anymore. And so mm. it's, it's kind of a. God, I, this Sad. is so close. <laughs> I just can't believe I mean, Barber's point is good. All lighthouses are special and wonderful in their own ways, but but uh, I really the big one past self screwed my my present self over. You have to go back. I will. I know. Now you hate I hiking, have to. so this is the way I can get you to go hiking. Is yes, to take you to Hawaii. One hundred percent. All right, noted. I would one hundred percent have hiked that. Goodness gracious. Okay, so. We're going to move on. This is the end of our the longest history movie of all time. And going to move on to our lighthouse, which what we're covering today is Montauk Point in New York. I've heard of it. New York. <laughs> New York? <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure there's a song that I wanted you to take it off from. That might be Frank Sinatra. I'm not sure. I just know about it from Madagascar. Anyway, <laughs> um, so... Montauk Point Lighthouse, people say that if you were only to ever see one lighthouse in your entire life, this would be the one what? to go to. Mm-hmm. That's what? what they say. So Not Boston Harbor Light, not Hatteras, Cape Hatteras. Honestly, this one's pretty old, too. So it's it's uh, Triangle Island It's light. basically, it's like, it, it's like the first lighthouse you would see as a immigrant or a settler oh. coming from Europe. And so it was kind of like, you know, it has a lot of history. And not the Statue of Liberty. Well, you'd see that one after. 
I'll, I'll show you a map of what it looks I like. I thought I had you. No. <laughs> you thought you had me? I'm the owner of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm usually, I'm often wrong, so I can't say that. Anyway, so I will show you. That's oh, what that's really like. cool. It's very nice. That's legitimate. Aesthetically pleasing and all these rocks. Three-car garage. There. Three-car garage. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't notice that. So, the point. Uh, I'll show you a map a little bit later. It was originally named Turtle Hill, or maybe it's still called Turtle Hill. The point, it, it's Montauk Point, but I think the land that the lighthouse is built on is Turtle Hill. Okay. I haven't really been able to figure out if it's still Turtle Hill or if it's, you know, or if it was renamed to Montauk Point. But either way, the point is named after the local tribe of Montauk Indians oh. or Montauket. I don't know. I There was a couple different names for the tribe, so I'll That's just go cool. with Montauk Indians. The tribe was part of a confederation of four different tribes, and each of these tribes were led by four brothers. And so it's kind of a cool story, but their dad was a chief who was like highly respected, and mm -hmm. so they um, inherited authority and respect from other people and decided to separate into these four tribes that met for like like a democracy kind that's of thing. cool yeah and they controlled a large majority of long island when european settlers came in, in the 17th century and here's a breakup of the native american tribes like how what land they controlled and so montauket is down there um yeah. this is long island and there's part of it that's controlled by montauk and that's the point at the very, very tip of this section that's controlled by the Montauk Indians is yep. Montauk. Towards Block Island. Yeah. Which is Cute. another lighthouse. What? Block Island Lighthouse. Oh, cool. I'm pretty sure. Cool. Montauk. That would be fun. Oh. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. it's on the list. I think it is. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, I love we're it. looking at Cape Cod over here. Uh, Plymouth, Boston. They're all on the map. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a big lighthouse area. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy in lighthouses. Uh, so, but actually, besides, you know, the settlers came in 17th century. Besides the building of the lighthouse, this area remained lar largely untouched by colonists until close to the 1900s. So, wow. Yeah, it's okay. like we built the lighthouse, but it, it wasn't populated with a bunch of people. It was still. That's surprising to me. Yeah. I thought this was the first populated area of the U.S. Yeah, and it's just because it was Long Island. You know, it became populated further away but yeah, since it was more all out here yeah, yeah. you, you kind of uh, we didn't have a need for impact these days yeah from what I hear. <laughs> now it's isn't that isn't long island like really rich area it has some good iced tea out there oh i cannot i can't <laughs> turn down a long island I'm iced so tea. Funny. i think it, i from what i understand it's kind of a escape um from the city and oh. i think it's a very wealthy area that's nice for People who can afford to have homes out there as well. Yeah. That's my assumption. I've never been over big, there. Big, nice houses. Yeah. But actually, land only changed hands. This land only changed hands three times in 300 years. So. Okay. Changed hands from Native Americans to, to settlers. Yeah. Right. And yeah. on and on. But, you know, from 1655 to 1926, it only changed hands three times. So according to legend... Uh, the natives would light fires on the tip of this point, a Montauk point, to yeah. summon chiefs and warriors to council. Awesome. And following that, uh, in the Revolutionary War, the British would light large bonfires at the end of the point to signal to their warships. So naturally, the next beacon that would be placed on this point uh, would be in the exact same spot, and that's Montauk Point Lighthouse. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was used as a... Not a lighthouse, but a, a beacon yeah, area. Yeah, it was, yeah, definitely. Before the lighthouse. That's really neat. Yep. So, in 1792, so we're going far back. Not as far back as, like, Boston Light, but only, like, 80 years after that or something. George Washington himself authorized the building of this lighthouse due to the danger the land posed to getting to the main ports. Mm -hmm. And so, here's a picture, a Google image of the land you can see yeah. new york you know where the statue of liberty is you have to pass this you know long island is kind of like if you're coming in you would see montauk point lighthouse before yeah. you would see 
uh, Statue of Liberty are coming. It's not that it's more important. It's just that a long time before this is yeah. the indicator that you have a turning where you either go into the Sound or you're going up to Newport or you come to New York City. Yeah, that's kind of where it tells you. The builders made it like a fortress. I don't know what happened, but it, the the lowest bidder was selected. I believe it was twenty two thousand dollars. At this time, that's a ton of money. They built the foundation thirteen feet deep. <laughs> It's just wow. an unbelievable amount of effort put That's in a lot of concrete. for being the lowest bidder. Like for, the, and this is seventeen ninety something. Yeah, seventeen ninety two. Yeah. That's it's significant. Yeah. I yeah. mean, today if you said thirteen foot of concrete for a foundation, I'd be like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no, but this is like you have some different methods. And it's in there. I mean, you saw the picture earlier. It's right on the edge of the point, so it makes sense that they would be like, this needs a lot of support. But yeah. for the of the lowest bidder to put in that much effort and George Washington himself said he's quoted being like this lighthouse is going to last a couple centuries <laughs> being like whoa yeah, he's making some comment about the budget <laughs> yeah he's probably like, wow that's he'd be right because this lighthouse is still the original lighthouse that was built in the late 1700s wow. mm -hmm. the same guy who built this lighthouse also built Cape Henry lighthouse which is another one that I really want to cover he built that in 1791, so just before he built this okay, one. Nice. And that one is still standing, even though it hasn't been touched in over a century. Where is it at? I, Cape Henry? Virginia? I should look it up, but I I, I didn't. We'll I, I wasn't. It. I started looking into it, and then I was like, no, no. <laughs> we are focused on one lighthouse right now. Do not get confuddled by yep. looking up other lighthouses but yeah you can still climb it too it's not like it's wow decrepit and still standing it's like solid that's awesome anyway Good for so them. yeah i know that guy sh that guy should get a medal for his his engineering strong lighthouses construction only took five months and it was lit november 5th 1796 so four years away from the fast turn of the century it was the first lighthouse in new york state preceded a lot of new a lot of different lighthouses but this is the first one the tower is octagonal and made with red connecticut sandstone it was originally 78 feet tall and all white but as you saw in the picture now it has a red band around mm -hmm. it that happened in 1899 so that was 100 years after it was originally built that they changed its uh, day mark here's what it originally wow. looked like this picture was in 1884 which is the uh, the earliest photo i found in That's the uslhs so cool. i'm sure there's the earlier ones but 1884 i i think the the earliest picture i had seen from them was 18 like 99 i think that must have been incredible at the time to take a photo well, like, to build that oh. and the photo as well but look at the foghorn <laughs> coming out of the oh yeah the foghorn looks like it's several feet uh like a trumpet it's as tall as that guy yeah coming out of the i assume that's where the steam whistle or mm -hmm. foghorn is that anyway uh the first head keeper was 64 year old jacob hand Rock so and roll. he should be retiring and he's not <laughs> and he got the job on the stipulation that his grandson jared would help him as an assistant keeper without getting paid it was like a, pack, a package deal yeah <laughs> two two in the family for one price yeah so Jacob served for 16 years. This guy was 80 by the time he decided to stop being a lighthouse keeper. That's really impressive. You think about your grandpa no. climbing the lighthouse several no. times a day. It's just mind-blowing. I can't, especially back then, 64 was not the 64 that it is today. No. Uh-uh. And I want to know what he did all that time to be, be 64 and still be physically able to do all this hard work for 16 years. It's crazy. Crazy. But he suggested around being 80 that Jared take over the running of the lighthouse. And President Thomas Jefferson said no because he was like, I don't want lighthouse keepers to be hereditary. I don't want this to be a job where you pass it on to your son and yeah. then nobody else can do it. It's like yeah. he's going to have to apply like everybody else. But naturally... Jared's been working at the lighthouse as a keeper for 16 years of his life. It's a pretty good life. resume yeah. for, for the job application. Yeah, so naturally he beat out everybody and became head keeper. It's just a natural turn of events. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, it's good that they actually did a job. I don't know what it looked like at that time, but a job yeah. hunt. You know, mm. they posted on LinkedIn. Yeah, you had to fill out the application. No nepotism. Had to do a security check online. That's a, yeah, background check. 
credit check. So that was in 1812 when he took over. The station already, like in this picture, you can see there's a couple of buildings, uh, three, and then the Foghorn building. I and spy there was, four. I meant three and the Foghorn. Oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Again, <laughs> once I, I thought Lord. I had you. Uh, so I was going to complain because I was reading online that there was so many keepers' dwellings. It was like they built a new one every 10 years or something. I'm like, mm. where are these buildings coming from? But I think... Originally, when they said there was the three keepers' dwellings around this, I think what they're referring to are, oh gosh, I can't remember. There were three buildings. They were the oldest buildings in New York or something, like built in the 1700s, and they were for livestock. So people, th- this land, you could bring your livestock to graze and nice. then take them back. And so there were buildings where keepers would tend to the livestock and watch over the life, li- um, the livestock, but they weren't lighthouse keepers. They were livestock keepers. And so I think that's oh. where I got confused. I was like, why is there so many keepers cottages? And it was for a different purpose. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I was going to say, like, they had all these keepers dwellings and they built another one in 1837 that was six rooms. And I was like, there's, there, there's no official assistant keeper until 20 years after that. So I was like, why are they, why do they keep yeah. building light uh, keepers cottages? But I think that's what it, comes from and montauk historical society they have a page on i think it's called second house i feel like i'm they i should it have second house yeah i i feel like i should have uh, done more research on that but that there was three houses and the second house is the one that's closest to this and the historical society is in charge of upkeeping that so they have a whole page on it of it being the oldest standing um building from yeah whenever so i didn't do a lot of looking deep into that but you can i think i'm gonna put in our show notes the historical society page you can go and take a look at it yourself so sorry i'm looking at the image still so there's one built in 1837 that's a six bedroom Mm -hmm. so i think that's the dark building it must be yeah and then right up i was looking at this the chimney on this white building is enormous oh of course steam it's a steam it's a boiler yeah so i that but it makes sense where those chimneys over on the residential house are probably just fireplaces or yeah, probably or oil houses. Yeah. yeah. Storage, etc. And then the rain, it looks like there's a gutter that goes over to something. I wonder if it doesn't feed into the boiler building. Mm, that's good. I think that's a nice observation. I think you'd be right. There's probably a cistern underneath the foghorn building. Really cool. It's an impressive image for 1884. They probably had to stand there like that for a long time, the people in this picture. Remember, it was like a flash and you had to not move for a long time? Yeah. <laughs> what is that called? Uh, exposure photography? Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it is. 1880. I was born in 1995. So <laughs> it's crazy. This picture is 110 years older than you. And up there, they've got a lighthouse ro- or a lightning rod, I think. And one of my favorite parts of this lighthouse, and they restored it to be exactly the same as it was in this picture, the balcony. Look at this like, X-shaped awesome. balcony. Um, it's the just support. like a very fancy, detailed balcony. I wouldn't expect the lowest bidder to put so much effort. <laughs> <I've never> th- <laughs> They're like, we're going to be the lowest, yeah. best bidder. They're like, best foundation, best balcony. <laughs> uh, also... I've never considered this until this moment. The balcony? Is that what it's the official? Well, ga- uh, gallery. Oh. I just did an episode covering yeah, what these are called, but yeah. So that thing gallery. you walk on is lower than the light room, mm-hmm. probably because if it was the same level, you'd be in the beam of light. No, look, there's another one. That's the uh, the lantern gallery. And then well, there's the main gallery is below that where you, it's, I was talking about it's in line with the storm room or the watch room. Oh, where the floor is that's yeah. inside the tower. Yeah. Where the clockwork would be hung and such. Mm-hmm. Well, never mind. <laughs> You'd be right in that beam because, you know, you have to clean the glass yeah. outside of the lens too. So it's powerful, full power. <laughs> The lighthouse got a first order Fresnel lens in 1857, as well as their new six room keeper's cottage. The lighthouse at that time, at 78 feet, was not tall enough to be considered a first class coastal light. Oh, too short. Yeah, it's not, uh, it wasn't tall enough. So around 1860, uh, three years later, they increased the height of the lighthouse by 30 feet, which brings it to its final total, 
which is the same as today of 110.5 feet. Legitimate. Yeah. And they also replaced the wooden steps leading up to the lantern room with iron and built another keeper's dwelling. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them is today the museum that it's like highly rated, the coolest museum ever. They always tell you to go to it, but I can't, I don't know exactly which keeper's cottage (laughs) it's in. No one does. There's so many. (laughs) (laughs) They just built their own community out there, Long Island. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. In 1903, the first order lens was replaced by the three and a half order bivalve lens that I showed during the history buoy. So there's a nice picture of that. It was revolving and had a white flash every 15 seconds. And they also added a fourth order fixed red range lens in the lantern room. Hmm. And it's basically just a fourth order lens. And if you be if you moved far enough to come in view of the red, it was saying that you were getting close to Shagwong Reef, which was three and a half miles from the lighthouse. I didn't do a lot of research on it, but it its elevation is zero feet. So basically it's like it's at it's the zero, on the yeah. cusp of being an island. So it, as you'd be going around the lighthouse, you, the traveler on the boat, would come into a red light. Yeah. You'd see a red light appear. Mm-hmm. Which means that you need to take caution. It would mean that you're you're coming oh, you're, too close because to it's fourth order. It's only so powerful. Yeah. So you're within you're range close enough. and at that angle. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you'd still see the flashing of the lighthouse, but if you went too far, too close to the point, then you would see this red light and oh, have to. I wonder if that's what was going on. That's what I was thinking. Our lighthouse. Oh my gosh. Where I know, was that I know. One? I remember us talking about it, but I don't know which lighthouse it was. Uh, it was in Sweden. Lundsorts. Oh, yeah. Lundsorts oh, yeah. fear. Right? Yeah, when the one I was talking about, maybe it was biform, but I don't think it was. I think it but was they had a lower, like a window, I think. Yeah, we, ne- we never got to get the there. The little red light peeked through. So, anyway, I thought that was really cool. I've never seen. Um, no, I've, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Here's oh, that's a, cool. This was after the height was added, which is why I think the lantern room looks different. And uh, they also have the reddish brown band that you see on it today. Did you see anything about them? How they added height? Did they build on top? Did they? They didn't build it, a new tower. No, they built like. it from the top. I'm assuming. I think they probably added more, more of the sandstone bricks to the top. But they. What's the? Uh, there's a lot going on here. Is that a, a driving range down here on the left? <laughs> Into the ocean. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I remember them talking about building this tower. I think it was a war thing, like a World War okay. One or World War Two thing that they built. Another tower that was for something, I don't know. Could be, yeah. It could yeah. just be better suited for people to be up there with, mm-hmm. you know, different This is a much later image, but uh, I was going to show you this is the picture of oh, the. Cool. That's the revolving lens. Yeah, the, the bite, the. God, the clamshell. Jeez. Yep. And then <laughs> the picture next to it is, I think it's the picture, it came up in the USLHS in association with this lighthouse. So I think this is the red fourth order lens I was talking about and maybe it's in this casing so that you only see half of the lens you know it's like it's not projecting any beams towards our clamshell lens that's right behind it it's probably they focused all of it outwards and it was below the clamshell lens it was probably just outside of it like sitting on the ground over here cool it was in in the lantern room so okay yeah but yeah looks heavy duty man I know the keeper at the time that they added the, these two new lights <coughs> was James G. Scott, who had the longest head keeper stint at the station from 1885 to 1910. So that's 35 years, I think. Oh, 25? Math is hard. <laughs> 35. 15 plus 10, that's 25. <laughs> 35. A couple of big shoon, uh, schooner, oh God, I just forgot to look it up. I again. did it too. Boats, what is it? Schooner. Yeah crashes happened during his watch not that it was his fault but it just, oh. he was there for 25 years something had to happen 25 at least yeah and so he had two big crashes one of them was carrying cocoa beans and one of them was carrying coconuts and this is the first time i've seen this what nothing i was gonna push a wah wah oh. button that i decided not to because people might have died <laughs> yeah right i don't think so i think it probably would have mentioned that it didn't so cocoa beans and coconuts the and they got confused thing, that I noticed that uh, the first time that I've noticed that if something crashes and stuff washes ashore, you just get to keep it. In both of these instances, they were like, 
there was a crash and so then we had coconuts for a really long time and like we we made tons of coat i'm like you just kept it i don't know like do, don't they want their stuff back i don't know <laughs> i think you'd you know they lose you know they crash and they lose their boat they'd want their stuff back but they've been robbed i don't know that there's a law or a rule on that in those times you think in it's that like free free i don't know? think it's free but they have to come collect it the owner has to come collect it I mean, I they if they don't then it's just it waste loss. yeah especially both of those are perishable items yeah so yeah true it's not like it's gold and they, you know, we're shipping yeah, gold. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought it was funny. They talked about um, after this, they created Montauk pudding, which is basically chocolate bread pudding. Oh, that sounds good. With all the cocoa beans. And they said, locals at the time said that if you visited somewhere for a year after this coconut crash, you were <laughs> you would expect to have coconut cake for dessert at somebody's house. Because oh, my gosh. Pe- everyone had the coconuts and they just were trying to get rid of them but not throw them away. Yeah. And the locals held a contest after the coconuts washed up and they just kept them all. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's so crazy that it's just like, oh, you crashed? Mm, I'm going to keep all of your goods. Do coconuts float? Yeah. Is that common? I didn't. That's not but, common knowledge. But to I would think Kansas it'd be itself. in uh, crates, too. So yeah. I don't know the details of how this happened. Maybe the but they ended floating. up with all the coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> and they said they held a contest to see, you know, like everyone made coconut something and they held a contest to see who would win the best coconut creation. Mm-hmm. And the winner was a four-tiered coconut cake that had coconut frosting and shredded coconut in the batter and the frosting and the layers. It was just like a coconut bonanza. That sounds awesome. I would love that. The same thing happened during the Prohibition era with liquor, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. John E. Miller and John A. Miller, a father and son duo who were keepers at the lighthouse, uh, they were head and first assistant keeper. They were suspected of collaborating with bootleggers. Oh, John. Oh, the Johns, double John. The Coast Guard heard of two grounded ships on the beach of the point suspected of carrying illegal liquor, and they called the Millers because they're in view of this beach, and Mm. they were like, are the ships there? And the Millers were like, no, no, there's no ships. They, They must have gotten up and walked away you know slurring their words (laughs) on the phone they they (laughs) fixed it (laughs) but so however the coast guard sent people to go check it out and there's two ships grounded on the beach surrounded by liquor cases that were empty oh no yeah they walked away clearly and the millers wouldn't return calls from the coast guard you would think the coast guard would just break down the door during prohibition Yeah. yeah But they didn't have any proof that it was just suspicious. They could there's no proof or anything, yeah. so they just had to let it go. There's never anything brought out of this. It's just but lighthouse very keepers, lighthouse keepers, very largely, it's an honorable, um, truth telling. Yes, very specific on their logbooks, and that's why so it's so suspicious. It's a pretty big assumption to make. Yeah, know, those guys are clearly. I don't know, like to be sketchy and not answer phone calls and then lie about whether or not they also had a bunch of unexplained cash flow (laughs) 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 and lighthouse Uh, liquor started up the next day. uh John and John. That would be cool. So anyway, just thought that was a fun little story. Yeah. The lighthouse was automated in 1987. Wait, let me see if I have any more pictures. Oh, it's just the lighthouse. Yeah. So beautiful. Automated in 1987 and immediately taken over by Montauk Historical Society. So this is like this wonderful collaboration where it was taken over by a historical society or, you know, a nonprofit immediately after. There was no time where it wasn't being taken care of. It was always being. They uh, wanted it right away. Yeah. Which is awesome. You didn't have to search. You didn't have to fight for it. It was just like this seamless transition of power over the lighthouse. So they opened the Keeper's Dwelling as a museum, and it includes that third and a half order um, Fresnel lens, so you can go see that. Nowadays, it's one white flash every five seconds through an arrow beacon, and so there's no... (laughs) Arrow. No, it's just a stupid joke to myself. Oh. I, last time you told me about Arrow Beacons. Mm. Oh, yeah. I thought Arrow was a brand. It's like the, <laughs> the, the Apple of Beacons. Yeah. Like, God, they have the whole market. For those who didn't listen to that, Arrow is a style of beacon. Yeah. It's an electric beacon that replaces I, lighthouse beacons. I believe often. it was originally, it's called an Arrow Beacon because it was originally in airports. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 
so this lighthouse was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1969. And this one's really cool. A National Historic Landmark in 2012. Oh, cool. Which only 12 lighthouses total are added to the landmark list. That's awesome. Yeah. And this was the 11th. So there's one more after this that was added. But currently there's only 12 lighthouses that are national landmarks. This is a, just by appearances and also through the story. This is a really special lighthouse. I know, isn't I, I it? I get neat? it. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah, I think this is a well loved lighthouse for sure. I gotta say one more thing while we're here. Sure. This image, that tower that was added for wartime mm, efforts. Yeah. So there's the top, which is a railed you know, you can be on the top. Yeah. And there's three different stories with like bunker style windows. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if it's not like a gun tower. It something. looks like that. It looks like what we climbed into in Hawaii. Um mm. They were they were brunkers like that in the in the rock of the island. I can't remember what they were called, but they were cool. built like that. So, uh, yeah, it did talk about that tower, but there was a lot of details about this lighthouse. So I just I had to skip. Yeah, I had to we're sacrifice a some of them. Yeah, we're, we're not a gun tower. That's uh, not a podcast. lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> Although there happens to be gun towers at a lot of lighthouses. That's true. Well, yeah, because people are always trying to bomb them. Mm-hmm. It's evil. Well, and they got good lookout points and. Yeah. Ports nearby. True. So there, the first image we saw overhead had like this beach that's, that we're on now. And the yeah. image it had some surfers, I think. People oh. with surfboards. Yeah, maybe it's a good surfing spot. I have heard that this is a good, that this is a well-traveled uh, beach yeah. that it's very popular to come to. And you know, in this picture, there's a lot of rocks. Obviously, they had trouble with erosion. And this is, Yeah, and I didn't make, I didn't make notes on this, but they obviously were worried about the lighthouse, losing the lighthouse because oh, of yeah. erosion. And this lady suggest, came and suggested that they cut this um, coast into terraces, you know, like steps, mm-hmm. steps in the side, and then plant, you know, mm-hmm. grasses and yeah. local plants and everything. And that stopped erosion. It's like she solved the problem. And then later on, the Coast Guard added all this riprap along yeah. the side too, but... I should have covered it more because she did that to save her own house or something. She kind of came up with the yeah. idea, proved that it worked, and then came to the lighthouse and was like, I have an answer to your problem. I've heard of that before. Yeah. I think they do that um, for multiple reasons with different types of, uh, like, orchard, like not orchard, grapes and olive growth. They cut terraces. I think and they I do think that with tea leaves, too, in Japan. We saw a roots, lot of those. The root systems stabilizes yeah. the soil rather than you know a sloped yeah the soil. sand doesn't fall away because it's being held together with that's roots. genius mm-hmm. yeah so i mean she literally saved the lighthouse from being have, having to move or that's cool get destroyed yeah we move a lot of lighthouses it's I not know. easy it's like it's our job this one they'd have to move all 17 houses too challenge that's hilarious um, so 1999, a three-phase restoration project was completed, and this is why I covered the lighthouse. They had another restoration, three-phase restoration, that started in 2019, and they just finished it. As of recording this podcast, uh, it'll post later, but as of recording, it was two weeks ago they finished Oh, this. wow. Started Great. in 2019 and just finished. Wow. I know. That took a lot longer than building the lighthouse. Yeah, took I know. Five months. <laughs> Yeah, so the first phase was completed in 2019. They repaired metal in the lantern room, the catwalk, and the top of the tower. So anything metal, they fixed that up. The second phase was the most extensive. It included all stone and mortar repairs and paint stripping. Uh, this started just as COVID hit, so they faced a bunch of problems with supply chain yeah. issues, and basically it extended uh, their projected completion time of this restoration. But they started back up again, I think, last year and completed... 2022. Yeah, and then completed... Maybe it was 2021. I can't remember. But they completed that phase this year in the spring. And then the third phase was recoding the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. It's like this... It's this coating that protects the brick but allows it to breathe so that water doesn't get yeah. trapped. Yeah. I can't remember if we covered that already. Um, I've heard about that for houses even. You yeah. can't... You can, but you shouldn't paint brick mm-hmm. because of the moisture content. It will break down. So it, they, yeah. you can like, oh, I forget, like bleach it to, to make brick white on your house. Mm. You can actually take the color out of it. It's not yeah. bleach, but it's a process like that. Yeah. White washing mm. uh, rather than just, it's not actually paint. And then I don't know how they do the red, but. 
some more to learn. I think it is paint, but then specialized. There's maybe. yeah, special paint, and then there's a coating on top that protects everything. But anyway, uh, the best month for doing that is June. I'm not mm. sure if it's because of the temperature or the moisture in the air or right. something, but uh, they were able to do that, and it was finished on time. So they posted a picture of the visible brick version of the lighthouse, which is really fun. Um, I think I actually was a picture oh, when wow. they stripped it. So you can s- still see where the stripe would be. I don't know if it's just over time, you know, over hundred and something years. Yeah. You, you stain the that's, bricks. But that's the image I'm going to use for our YouTube picture. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but It's a good one. It's so cool. Yeah. Look, they look at the ironwork inside of the, is it cupola? Is that right? Up top? Oh, yeah. This it's is really the, so pretty. This lighthouse is so visually appealing. Even naked. <laughs> we like it naked. <laughs> but yeah, you can see the whitewashed area, and then I assume that's the red stripe looks yeah. blackened. Yeah, so it didn't have tinted. the same process. Well, in stripping, how many, well, several hundred years of paint? Yeah. Right? I mean, or finish, whatever the finish is. Right. And then small bricks up top, probably part of the addition. Mm-hmm. Really neat. But yeah, they posted another picture of this. I didn't put it in the slideshow. Oh, but there's a lightning rod too. The cable going down the, the Oh side. yeah. Good eye. Their Instagram is MTK underscore lighthouse. So at MTK, which is Montauk Point mm-hmm. Lighthouse. Um, and you can see pictures. They did a, it was officially completed on August 16th, 2023. They did a ribbon cutting ceremony where they celebrated all the people who made it happen. And I think the mayor was there and they posted pictures of all of that on their Instagram and uh, all the steps of doing the restoration. So you can go and check it out. And yeah, uh, another thing that I wanted to point out is that Montauk Point decorates like crazy for the holidays. That's like, look at this. Whoa. <laughs> it's amazing. Every crease of the lighthouse is covered in lights. And the keeper's cottage, they surrounded every window with lights, the roof, the chimneys. Man. It's so cool. Have we talked about Montauk Point before? Because that's like a mast pole. I don't think we have. That? But we've seen that but somewhere else yeah. too. I wonder if there's some meaning behind that that we don't know. It's like a ship mast, like a cross. You uh, focus on things that I would never pay any attention to in pictures. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just think it's funny. It's like I'm I'm just like, look at all these lights. And you're like, there's a mast in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not lit up, which it, oh, I yeah. guess it would look like a cross. So in maybe that's a little depends on. To me, it looks like a sword sticking out of the ground. Yeah. I yeah. just think that it's really pretty. That's a lot of lights. Because well, the tower is what, 100 feet tall now? 110, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to show it. I was thinking one of our episodes, we, we have an, on the schedule an episode to post on Christmas Day. And I'm wondering if I should just do a really quick episode where I talk about lighthouses that decorate like crazy for the holidays. Yeah, and can't hurt. So that's why I thought I would mention this. We talked about Flying Santa last year. We yeah. We remind people to watch that one too. I know. Christmas time. Um, uh, have I covered St. Augustine Lighthouse? No. We've okay. talked about it a couple times, but never... I think I've started my research, and I won't spoil anything. Okay. But, um, ignoring what I just said. You're spoiling. Have you, looked, have you looked into like what they do, like tours and uh, at Montauk Point? Um, do they have a website that shows that? They do have a website, and I'll link it. I don't know if they... Can you climb it? Rent you out. You can climb it. I don't know if they rent it out or anything like that. I know there's more than one keeper's cottage, so I don't know. It's up in the air. I haven't looked exactly what they offer but they have a lot of different faucets facets yeah. to their website so it's just another place i'd love to go i know all these lighthouse locations. add it to the list and they're all spread out why are they all spread out well I've, it's, <laughs> I've never been to new york except for once yeah and it was recently we were there for what a couple hours, hours. yeah <laughs> we, we just saw the, times square times square and in central, central park. park we got pizza close by and then we went back to the airport yeah that was so i don't think we saw much of new york yeah, I tried to plan out the visit being lighthouse focused and we would have had to have rent a car mm-hmm. in like that four hour time period and drive. But we would have been able to hit like five different lighthouses in that time period. They were mm-hmm. all so close together. <sighs> we'll do it on our own. Yeah. On our we'll own figure trip. It out. Really good episode. Thank you. Anyway, that's Montauk Point Lighthouse. It's awesome. apparently the one to go to if you are only going to go to one lighthouse. I think people might contest that. Oh, I think the comments are open. The comment section is open. 
yeah, if you think there's a better lighthouse to go to, you should send us the name of the lighthouse over thelighthouselowdown.com in an email, lighthouselowdown at gmail.com, or over a voicemail if you're brave enough. Do it. Montauk Point. Is this the first one? It's the first one in New York State. Yes. Is this the first one we've covered over there? I think it, it might, might be. I think it is. I mean, we, we talked to Cape yeah, Cod. This, I think this is our first New York the, lighthouse. To people over there, they probably think those are not close at all. Yeah, probably. They showed up in, in the same Kansas map City. <laughs> yeah. In Kansas City, our perspective is that those are close. Yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. But yeah, so another thing I wanted to mention just before we end the podcast is that you can leave us a review on our website, thelighthouselowdown.com. <laughs> the amount of times I've said that today is really Thelighthouselowdown.com. Or you can leave one over Spotify. I saw we have like nine reviews on Spotify. I can't believe there's a lighthouse about or the, No, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't, I can't believe, believe there's, there's a lighthouse. A podcast about this. A lighthouse about this podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But there's also, we have a couple on Apple. Um, but you can leave a review if you don't want to go to Apple or Spotify or whatever to leave a review. You can do it straight on our website. So please leave us a review if you enjoyed this podcast. And feel free to contact us if you want to tell us about your favorite lighthouse or one you live near or if you had any fun experiences at a lighthouse, we'd love to hear all about it. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time on the Lighthouse Lowdown. <laughs>